Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, this is Doc Huffpower coming to you again from my home studio here in Alvin, Texas. Now, last week, I brought you an interview with one of my personal heroes of dentistry. That's Dr. Bruce Baird. If you haven't watched the interview, go ahead and check it out. We, de we delve deeply into some of his ideas about marketing and about um, really distinguishing your practice from the ones around you. But the most interesting thing that we re really talked about is productive scheduling and how you make your schedule produce the amount of money that you want your practice produce every single day, every week, every month, and every year. So I thought it would be pretty apropos if we brought on Victoria Peterson. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Victoria used to be Vicky. But not Vicky. <laughs> so Victoria, you are one of the co-founders of the Productive Dental Academy. Um, yes. That was Goodness, you must have been with Bruce for quite some time. Uh, I, I, I remember hearing about PDA dentists when I was in school and always wanting to, to be one of those guys who produced like that. So how long have you been, how long have you been with Bruce? Well, I actually began consulting in 1995 with Tony Robbins. So I had a deep uh, consulting background uh, following into my, I was a clinical hygienist and uh, went back to school for business, uh, specializing in marketing and finance, back when marketing was illegal for dentists, right. which was great. And I had consulted with Bruce's office back in the 90s. So when he started a productive dentist seminar, he had a right. seminar for doctors only, and it took off immediately. And he called me and said, hey, Vic, I know you've retired, you've moved to a little island in the Northwest, but can you come down and you know, check out the program, see what you think. I immediately sat there in the back because my background was so team focused. That's why he called right. me. And I said, well, if you're teaching this to the doctors, then the team would need to understand these pieces for the hygienists, for Absolutely. the assistants, the office managers. And that's how it began. So it was back in 2005. Mm -hmm. uh, I sat in the back of the room. He thought I was ignoring him because I was typing away. He thought I was trolling dental town. And so he put me on the spot. He said, hey, Vic, come up here and tell them what a team program might look like. And I said, sure. Can I borrow your laptop? And I plugged in a USB drive and pulled up my PowerPoint I had been working on. His jaw dropped. and said, man, I want my team to come to that. Uh, three months later, you know, that was February and May, we launched the team program and we've been going strong ever since. We shook hands and said, if we work well together and like each other a year from now, we'll be 50-50. So the whole thing started on a handshake 15, 16 years ago, and wow. we just love it. Bruce and I have been in each other's lives maybe 20, 25 years now. No kidding. You know, it's, it's funny. The old joke about dentistry is the dentist goes away on Thursday to CE. He comes back to the office Monday and he says, all right, guys, we're going to change the world. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Here's some things to read. And he walks out of the room and one, one assistant looks at the other one. And she says, just wait till Wednesday. He'll have forgotten about it by then. True. So true. It, it's so true. You have to get your team involved in these things if you want to do what I consider the hardest thing in dentistry, and that's implementation. And right. obviously very worthwhile because otherwise you're just pissing away money 
if you get your team involved, you get your team behind what you do, it makes all the difference. And so I love that you guys have really a team centric approach to increasing production in the office. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that program looks like, Victoria. Well, I think this is actually becoming more predominant as a pain point for doctors with COVID and the pandemic and furloughing your team. Your team had a lot of time to think about what do I want to do with my life? And particularly if they were mothers of young children and they're homeschooling and now they don't have childcare when they go back and the fears of COVID and aerosols. And it's a huge issue in dentistry right now. So I don't really even uh, consider what we do team building anymore. It's really leadership development on every level. So the paradigm of leadership has really shifted because dentistry was more of a stable predictable model and the authoritarian that you were describing i say you do you know that was still a deep threat within our industry and and you had started to see you know with the millennials and the gen x you started to see resistance and like yeah i gotta have a better reason than that right mm -hmm. but now with covid everyone woke up and said i need more from you as a leader and so we're learning new skills. So yes, it's about the team, but more it's about shifting your leadership to be able to lead through change. And that brings uh, an entire index of emotional intelligence. And that, that's another one of my backgrounds. I have a doctorate in spirituality focused on emotional intelligence and uh, developing the human spirit, bringing out the brilliance within people. So it's just a, it's an incredible time to be a business owner because the collaboration is so much higher. The relationships are going deeper and mean more. Absolutely. You know, I, um, I think that a lot of doctors, they, I'm a big favor of the word integrate rather than delegate. Yes. Do you follow my, do you follow my reasoning there? I do. I do. I, I think that when a doctor, tries to delegate, a lot of times we end up micromanaging or getting into a setting someone up for a blame and failure scenario. When you integrate, you make decisions with your team and yes. you, if you integrate, your team automatically supports what you're doing because they get it from the ground up. They get yes. that whole Monday morning excitement. Right. Yeah. And that's fantastic to me. So I've always been a huge advocate of bringing your entire team with you to CE. Um, because frankly, I should be there learning amongst them because I'm no better than they are just because I have DDS behind my name. I'm still a person. Right. And I don't think that that's necessarily a, an incredibly common approach to teams in dentistry. So I, I, th I think you're absolutely right. I, I think it's time though that that authoritarian approach is um, is reconsidered. Yeah, I agree. And what you just described, when you're trying to control and micromanage, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. Uh, and we really, if you think about it like a teeter-totter, uh, I describe leadership and management as leadership being above the line, management is below the line, and you really want to balance that. And I think a lot of doctors have gotten thrown into management. I mean, I think practice management is terrific, but that is not I where doctors I want to be a leader. No. Yeah. I, I, management tires me. You know, I, I heard a doctor say something and, and obviously 
there's two sides to this comment, but it really just struck me as so truthful when they said it. And so give me a moment to explain when I say it, because it, it could come off as offensive to some of our listeners. The, the dentist was sitting there and he had a new assistant and she was just kind of twiddling around and staring off blankly, blankly in the space while she was suctioning. And um, to the extent wherever someone talked to her, she turned with the suction in her hand <laughs> and of course sucked up the patient's cheek. And he stops everything and he said, I felt bad because I did this in front of the patient, but it was just one of those things that had to be said. So I looked at her and I said, every day I go home and I'm tired because I'm thinking about my patient and keeping them safe. And I'm thinking about the technical aspects of what I'm doing. And that I have to be within one millimeter or one tenth of a millimeter for this prep. And I'm thinking about the bills in the back of my brain that I've got to pay whenever I get home. And I'm thinking about all of your, your, your payroll that has to get paid and how am I going to move money from here to there whenever we're worrying about the insurance patients coming in, payments coming in. He said, and I go home so bone tired. Do you know how much it makes me more tired when I have to think for you too? Mm. And there, it, there's a lot of truth in that statement, but it also shows, I think, a distinct lack of understanding the correct role of your team members as opposed to employees. Does that resonate with you? Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's where uh, you mentioned the class that we have coming up. It really starts at ground zero Absolutely. on that space of what is your philosophy of care? What is your philosophy of business? What is your uh, vision that you want to share with the team so that you can help them develop their own vision Absolutely. of who they are within that picture? Because once people have belief and buy-in that they're a part of something special, then those kind of things go away. And, and then you just start developing the core values that everybody lives from. Well, and from the values will become so much less pressing on oh, you yeah. as the leader. As the leader, right. you are not, you're not the tradesman. You're the architect. You've right. designed the thing. And you're working with all of these other people to build the building. You don't have to be the architect and the plumber and the electrician and the framer <laughs> and the concrete yeah. guy. You don't have to be all that. All you have to do yeah. is allow your team to show their natural gifts, enrich them, and grow them. And so that's wow. just one of the things that you guys are covering in this course, which, by the way, I believe the course started off at $59.95, and you guys discounted it, I think, due to COVID, to $39.95 or something. But you're offering our listeners and anyone on the business of dentistry a very special deal. What is that? Yeah, so the $59.95 is actually our live event price. And oh, now because of COVID, you guys are doing everything virtually. And we're like, all right, so yeah, how do we take a how do we take our three-day business intensive for doctors and make it consumable online? And so because of your relationships and we know how strong your doctors already are in business, I know right. that they'll they'll really integrate quickly. So we're offering a very special rate of twenty five hundred for so I, which by the way, thank you very much. Um Full disclosure, um, I do a lot of business with PDA. Uh, as I've said, they've helped me in my practice. I also do business with 
um, Compassionate Finance or Comprehensive Finance, I should say, which is the actual company name. And they are sponsors of different things that I do. So I do make money from them. Uh, so I, I need to disclose that. But I also personally am going to be going through this class. Actually, whenever, whenever I was approached with this, my first thing that I asked them was, can I go through the class for free? And so they said, yeah, we're going we're to take care of you. So I'm really excited the way, about the class. I don't think you'll get rich off of our, our relationship here. No, so I, I won't. You know? <laughs> but, but in all, in all, and you know why? It, it doesn't compare to what I can do in the day of dentistry. And guess where I learned that? Yeah. Kind of come full circle, hasn't it, Victoria? Yeah, and it does. So we appreciate you. The, the thing is, and, and I, I feel like it's very important to get those things out there. Um, I know a lot of people kind of hide those relationships. I'm very open about them because I want yeah. people to understand that when I do get behind something, it's because I've used it. And I'm really excited about this course itself because I know what all they're putting into it. Now, I, wanna, I want to really, uh, really throw Victoria out there because I happen to know she is also in addition to being this just amazing uh, team integration expert, she is also quite a financial wonk. Whenever I was talking to some of the folks over at PDA and I said, I really want someone to come on. I want them to explain EBITDA and I want them to really do it in such a way that every doctor out there is going to get it. They all said, Oh, just talk to Victoria. She's, you know, She's the one who can just talk about <laughs> EBITDA and net and margins all day long. And so that is the person I want to speak to. So without further ado, I'm going to kind of take a step back here and just kind of shut up. I want you to tell doctors what they need to know about how the value of their practice is correctly assessed rather than this, this you know, black voodoo box of X percent times your production, which means nothing, guys. Um, you can actually, if you wouldn't mind, get into why production per dentist doesn't mean anything compared to collections or to your net and, and just kind of how all that builds in. I know a lot of people understand parts of this, but I want you to lay it out. I've been told I should just shut up and listen, so that's what I'm going to do now. Victoria, <laughs> floor's yours. Well, I think you and I are, are share a similar trait in that I want to walk the talk. So I appreciate you coming through this class. And after, let's say, 20, 25 years of consulting and saying, oh, you should do this, you should do that, and watching clients consistently grow, I actually thought it would be fun, and I really use that word fun, to purchase dental practices. So the state of Wisconsin allowed non-dentists to do that. And uh, shopping like a woman, thinking that this was a two-for-one, buy-one-get-one shoe sale, I bought three practices in the same month. And these were all legacy practices, fee-for-service practices with very established rhythms, very established patient base. I then, six months later, bought two more. So I had five dental practices. Um, three were close together. Two were outliers. And within a six-month period of time back in 2011, 2012. Now, remember, I live on a little island north of Seattle. So I'm, I'm a non-dentist. Mm -hmm. I'm not working in the practice. I'm 2,000 miles away. I now have 55 employees and I'm burning through, you know, $4 million a year in overhead. Mm -hmm. So I had, you know, Simon Sinek always says, you know, start with why. I had 4 million whys on why yes. this had to work or it was going to pull or, me down like Or, or you should say you no longer had 4 million whys, which, which was I'm the why. No 
That's right. I leveraged it out. That I love it when people say, I bought so many businesses or I started this. I'm like, I don't care where you started. I want to know how you finished. Yes. So if you'd like to read the end of the book, I leveraged out uh, anywhere between 7 to 11x on EBITDA, depending on where the practice was. Very and nice. how so collectively, it had a nice margin. I also picked up the real estate and hung on to the real estate until it hit its peak and then leveraged that out as well. So I, I have a strong entrepreneurial background. And what I think about is building assets. Most dentists think about cash flow and paying my bills. And so EBITDA, if I could have more children, I think I would name it EBITDA <laughs> because that is everything. So now I do, I am going to interrupt and ask you to explain something because I think a lot of people, because most dentists, when they're talking about the, the sale value of their practice, they're going to say things like, oh, I got an offer for 75% of my production or 80% of my production. Um, I want you to, because, and that, that's where their minds are, so they kind of get that. I want you to give them an average number of an EBITDA multiplier. And I always say EBITDA and I get chewed out by my financial guys, but that's it's okay. just a habit. So your EBITDA, you got a seven to 11 times multiplier. If I'm not mistaken, the average multiplier of a dental practice selling for 80% of production is three or four times EBITDA. Is that correct? If I'm wrong, tell me. No, it depends on um, who you're selling to and what the right. value is to that person. And so I got a higher multiple because um, I structured it very well from the beginning. So right. that was all preset, pre-negotiated. And I was working with a young doctor who came out of school, had a few years under his belt, uh, got into a, what turned out to be a failed partnership attempt. Mm -hmm. And at that moment said, I want to build my own network. I want to be in control, but I don't have the um, credit history to go and borrow $10 million that we needed. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the business acumen to set it up. And I don't know how to negotiate purchasing practices. I just happen to have those three skills. So I took the business management. He took the clinical mentorship. And we knew that uh, we were building something of value that would hold value. And I've been out of it now for two years, three years on some of the practices. They've still consistently, after, after seven years, I'm diverting, but... The, the horror story is, is when you sell your practice, you have huge team turnover and then the systems fall apart and you lose value. So when I say building assets and building an investment grade business, yes, the EBITDA is important because they will, and that's net income. So EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So those are kind of the non-cash items of the practice off your balance sheet. So let's just for E, say net income, right? Net income after you pay your debts. If that is 100. Net, net income plus, plus chargebacks. Plus chargebacks, right. So you may be running your car or running, doing those fun things that uh, solo entrepreneurs do and writing off your Costco bill. All that's going to get taken out and get added to the bottom line. So they'll get that. $5,000 in toilet paper? Doctor, was this really for the practice? Well, you know. A flood was coming. We had to stock up. <laughs> it was for COVID. It was for COVID. I needed Clorox wipes and right. toilet paper. So, you know, all of that gets shaken out of your P&L. They clean it up. And let's say that your net for that year was um, 
on a typical $1.5 million practice, let's say that your net was 300,000. So I'd have to pull out a calculator, but if you've got the 3X multiple and you had, what did we just say, 300,000, you would get 900,000 for your $1.5 million practice. Right. But if I took my calculator and I was using the back of the cocktail napkin numbers that you were talking about first, and I did, you know, 70% of collections, then I would think I'm going to get a million fifty thousand. So why is there a difference in 900,000 versus a million? And that really comes down to how you organize efficiencies in the business mm -hmm. and how much profit you can pull because the next owner assumes the debt has to pay down that debt and they're not willing to pay more than it's worth. Right. So it, it really does get down to how, is this, how will this business cash flow for the next buyer? And, and I think that one of the things that a lot of people, and it's so refreshing to talk to you because there, there are so many dentists out there and I don't consider myself any kind of economic wonk at all. Uh, I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of an idiot. So uh, I, I have some rough ideas, but I find that a lot of dentists don't really even think about this stuff at all like the value of having systems in place, the value of having um, self-enforcing systems in place. Yeah. There's a lot of times we throw a system at a team, but we don't integrate the team into that decision. And so it's not valuable per se to the team. When right. you do integrate them and, and, and those systems come up from the bottom, they're much stronger. I mean, it's like a true, very deep roots, you know, your, your, your winds of change come along when you sell the practice and a, a tree that has very shallow roots gets knocked over and you got nothing left. But whenever those systems come up from the team and come up from the bottom, they're their babies. In fact, don't try to take their system away. They'll cut you. <laughs> that, and that is the mistake that young buyers make is they, they come in with a lot of fear because they have not only the practice purchase price, maybe that's a million bucks and they got 500,000. Um, right. Yeah, they're 1.5 behind the eight ball. Um, let me, and, and I'm no financial wizard either. I've learned a few tips and tricks that have made it easy. And I think all systems, if they're not easy to explain, it's not a system. But if I could give mm -hmm. your listeners a tip, you, you're talking about integration with the team and that sounds very daunting. Here's my secret sauce. You want that? I'll give it to Absolutely. you before class. <laughs> the secret sauce is it you really do and we're going to walk through this uh probably in week i think it comes in week six or seven we're breaking all these modules down pre-recording it giving you a few days to watch the recordings get the vocabulary and the context of it and then on friday mornings we're going to meet together in a peer learning environment a lot like this mm -hmm. where we talk about how does this work in your practice and who's already implemented this well and how did that work and what are your fears and what's your plan? So when it comes to team training and development, you start out as a learner and you want to get onto this path as a leader. Mm -hmm. And the way that you do that is you, uh, you have a gap assessment. So these are the skills we need to build. These are the behaviors we need to incorporate a self-assessment of where do I think I stand right now? Where am I strong? Where do I need focus? And then the team helps you discover where they want to grow. And sometimes what you'll discover 
is that you've got team members mispositioned. You may have a dental yes. assistant that really wants to be an administrator or an administrator that would rather go and do financials and collections and not have so much upfront. And so that's that job so one, true. people in the right place. Well, you know, we, we talk about a bus, right? Yeah. It's on the bus. And the problem is a lot of people, if someone's not, you got the hyperactive kid sitting behind the driver, you kick their butts off the bus, right? No, <laughs> they, you need to find the right seat on the bus. And there are some people who have no business being near my bus. But for the most part, if you listen to the employee, you look at what their skill sets are and what they yes. truly enjoy doing. Guess what, guys? Here's a real great secret for you. If someone enjoys doing something, they're going to be better at it. Yeah. Yeah. You have, we call it sparking their passion, sparking their brilliance. And, you know, our business course is called Business Impact Now. We used to call it Driving the Bus. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. That's awesome. Oh, it's totally hey, hey, we're, we're like, we're like simpatico right here, man. I know. It's like, like that. And I even bought a motor home and we were going to wrap it and go across America doing these town halls on driving the bus. That's we fantastic. That after COVID. But here's the thing. If I can self-evaluate and know that I'm a three on a critical skill and I need mm -hmm. to get to an eight before I can be delegated. And that is my, uh, that's my benchmark for doctors in delegation. When your head, your heart, and your gut line up at 80%, it's time to turn it over. So you train to 80%, and then that last 20% comes through mistakes and experience. And so you've got right. to be able to live with at least a 20% risk. And then once they go from 80% to 90%, that last 10% is gained by having them teach someone else and starting that process all over again. Yes. So when you talk about having integrators, integration in a skill doesn't come until you teach it. And so Bert, that's- You and I are gonna get along so well. These are things I've been saying, <laughs> like whenever I have someone who's training, the first thing is, is when we're making a, um, a I call them SOPs because I'm, I'm previous military. And I will say, okay, I need you to make your SOP for mm -hmm. enrolling a new patient. And what I'll make them do is not write down the whole process. I have them write down just the steps that they think as they think of them. Okay. Well, the first thing is answer the phone. You know, well, why do I have to just write it? Then every single one of those, you go back and you write exactly how you do it and what you find works best. And then we're going to have everybody else do that. And guess what? Anything that's on every single list, that's the shit that works. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and the thing is, is that they because of the fact that they're going through the process of recording this and having to put it down on paper, they begin to integrate their own job better. They yes. get better at the things they already do because they're cognizant of them and they're intentional. Yes. So the training in my office is you train someone else. First of all, you watch it. Then you do it while someone else watches you. And then you teach it to someone else, even if they already know how to do it. Yes. And to me, that's the way all training should, should be done. So I'm really excited to hear you say that. I can't wait to do this course. Can I, and I can make my team watch it too, right? I mean, let them, let them. Um, no, this is not your only course. Okay. So this is Are you guys going to have a team course. course later? Yes, we're going to have a, uh, we're actually transforming our September productivity workshop into a two-day live stream. So that Fantastic. one will bring in, so we'll have Summer Carroll, Dr. Baird's, uh, Hotshot dental assistant. I'm telling you, mm -hmm. Summer is phenomenal. She's one of the most. Real I've, I've seen Summer on some of his old DVDs. Um, oh. I've been following Bruce for a long time. 
Uh, and uh, she, she would come in after he would do his patients and he, she like basically takes every. So she anyway, yeah, so anyway, I, the, I got us off track here. So, so that you know, when we get off of this recording, I'm going to try to bend your arm. You're way over in Hawaii, but I'm going to bend your arm and see if we can get a deal for that course as well. Because you know how important I think it is to get your team in. So we'll see what we can arrange for that. You bet. You bet. We love right. working with you. Um, okay. Now I'm going to shut up again. I'm sorry, Victoria. You, you know, I, <laughs> okay. this, this I had course, to current, the current business impact really is to get your mind wrapped around where your business is post-COVID. So we're actually having our own clients go through this. Doctors that have been with us five years, 10 years, 15 years, they're like, yeah, 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 I got my business plan. I understand right. my profitability incentive point. I'm working with my coach. And it's like, yes, and it's time to work on your business again at a deeper right. level instead of just in it. And so they're gonna be joining. So we are not making a distinction between a public, Top of mind. I mean, we're giving CE credits, but make no mistake, this is not a continuing education class. It's full immersion broken up into two hour chunks once a week. So you get the full 16 hours. And I think it's going to be a better delivery than putting you in a, a hotel room for two days writing out a business plan. Absolutely. So the, the so end result. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you to do something because I just had an idea and, um, <laughs> if I'm throwing you under the bus here, you can kick me in the shin later. I just had a thought. As we're doing these things weekly, I would love if you were to, because you guys, plan, you, you plan on doing this course again, especially if it works well and helps doctors. So if we could, after every weekly meeting, do a five-minute recap, power recap, and we could do it on a live on the Facebook page. I know it's going to be difficult because your time zones are different than mine. We might have to pre-record it, but you could do a power recap, five minutes, top takeaways from today's course. Boom. Sure. And if you, if you guys want to know more, you can sign up for the next course. With that, we'll give them some great added value. And um, I think that you guys are going to help a lot of people. And a lot of people are going to realize just how much they don't know what they don't know. I'd be happy to do that. I'd be happy to. Fantastic. We were planning on doing that internally for the course anyway, so we'll just make that oh, public. Oh, well, so perfect, yeah. Reviewers can have kind of an insider. So those who, who can't make this time frame work, they can come and, you know, get the recap so they can prepare for the next one. We really are not going to live stream this public. We're not going to release it public because mm -hmm. it is – um, so intimate in, in its workings, it's, I don't think it would translate well to a pre-recorded come do it yourself. The reality is, is if you could build a two year, when we call it a roadmap, you know, we used to talk about building a business blueprint, mm -hmm. but blueprint implies that I'm putting down a foundation and I'm building a skyscraper and it's, it's fixed and it's not going anywhere. Dentistry right. shifted. It's not that way anymore. So if you built on a blueprint, you're probably feeling it pretty shaky right now because things change. So this is more of a roadmap that is going to take you from here to 24 months out. You'll have quarterly milestones that you create, and then you'll know from your quarterly milestones, am I on or off the road? <coughs> did, did I detour? You know, and doctors detour all the time. <laughs> you, so I, I have to ask you a question. You do level 10 meetings, don't you? We do a version of level 10 meetings. Yeah. I thought you did. I almost heard you say rocks. 
And then I heard you say on and off. So I thought you might, I thought you might. We, we use them in my practice. I, I think they're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So we just, we, we want to make sure you know where you're going. And then um, you mentioned something that sparked me about risk assessment. You know, building an investment grade business, you have to understand how to manage risk. That was another reason Absolutely. why mine went for such a high multiple. We, right as COVID was hitting, I was with Grace Yum in Chicago at her mommy dentist CEO roundtable. I love her. She's fantastic. Uh, she is fantastic. And one of the surveys we put up, and then we tested it with our own group of doctors, was a risk survey. I could make that link available to your group as well. And it asked you things like, um, I have enough reserve cash to weather any storm, such as a flood, a fire a disconnection from my office for more than two months. At the time, right. we weren't even shut down by COVID. I had no idea it would go two months. Um, How I have, I know. And I was like, do you have uh, checks and balances to prevent fraud, insurance fraud and embezzlement? Do you have the appropriate insurances to protect you on this? What it, uh, have, how often do you check cybersecurity and the security of your emails and your backups? Mm -hmm. Just different risk management, risk tolerance questions. And on a scale of one to five, it's been pretty consistent across the board. Uh, on any of our 10 questions on risk, mm -hmm. no, it averaged out three. Uh, some, some got as high as three. Nothing got higher than a, maybe one question of, I feel confident within myself. You know, they gave themselves a four. Right. But the average like 2.8 on being able to endure a six-month disruption in your practice. And I'm telling you, a back injury, gallstones, uh, pregnancy, all of these things take you out for a lot of different reasons. So one of our sessions is <coughs> going to be risk management, risk tolerance, because if you build to that standard, then your practice becomes bulletproof. Your practice becomes able you know, this isn't the only economic storm we're going to ride, you know, depending on where you live. You and I can talk about that later. I, I, I don't <laughs> think we're going to come out of this. And a lot of people think I'm a doom and gloom guy. I'm not. I just want people prepared. Uh, I think we're in a five to seven year slump. Just mm. because, because of the way that the economy was looking before COVID. Um, I had already predicted we we're going to have a recession back in September. All the signs were lining up correctly. And um, I mean, heck, the Federal Reserve was looking at what you, at the effect of negative interest rates in the United States back in September. You think they well, didn't know there was a, an economic slump coming? You know, we were. Well, in they, officially, they officially declared a recession in February, yep. but that's page sixteen news. The recession is already here, yes. <laughs> but it's being masked by all the activity. So yes. I, I kind of, I'm in a kind of a. My predictive skills aren't that great. I kind of wonder. Did COVID force everything to come to a head faster? Was it actually better for the economy than the long, prolonged, drawn-out slide into iniquity? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, I really, I think only time will tell. It, this, is, this is a first. This has never happened before. I mean, this is the one-two punch. So Yeah, and the stock market isn't trending at all with the economic indicators. Oh, it's, it's trending <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> you know? So it's, it'll be, may you live in interesting times. Isn't that a Chinese proverb? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why developing leadership skills and knowing how to pivot is so important. And that's Absolutely. what we're really all about is teaching doctors how to pivot and pivot to a plan. Um, 
right now I think we're all exhausted because we're working 12 hour days out of this. You know, like if you're, you're on a diet and then you break the fast and you're like, I'll give me every Twinkie ding dong and pizza that's available. <laughs> I think I'm that's not going to say anything about that. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a bad <laughs> week. We'll just put it that way. I'm doing a lot of stress eating myself, but um, I think that's how we're dealing with the patient request too. Like just get them in, get them in anywhere, get them in now. I'll work six days a week. I'll work 12 hours a day. Blah, blah, blah. I got to get it all in now because it's going to go away. It's going to go away. And oh. our doctors are definitely working more there, but what they know is they know their new break even point. So they're working to that point and then they know they can get relief and get more routine again. So if you're working without that knowledge of where your break even point is, we actually do a cash runway so you know where your PPP money is, is impacting when it's going to run out and all of that. So, um, I'm all about I'm all about decreasing the stress, decreasing the cortisols, because that really is the number one killer to productivity. You can't yeah. be stressed out and productive. You know, I um when I first discovered PDA, a lot of the things that you guys were saying, um they resonated with me. One of the things that you said that I just didn't believe, and I don't remember who it was who told me, uh, so don't hold me to this. I may be misquoting, but it is something to the extent of a doctor is more productive in three days a week than in five. Yes. Um, and I didn't believe that until I actually implemented scheduling by production and um, it changed my life. I work three days a week now and um, I produce a lot more than a lot of dentists. We'll put it that way. Um, been a little bit of slump lately here, but uh, in fact, next week I looked at my schedule and I, I, I called my receptionist up this morning. I said, I don't have any full mouth cases on my schedule next week. What's going on? Well, you've got, you've got, but I don't have any full mouth cases. What's happening? Have you guys made the calls? So it's, uh, I think you get used to that level of production. And um, I have, I have one day next week, I'm going to be producing like $3,000 and I'm panicking. I don't have to, yeah. but I'm so used to, you know, I produce $10,000. It's, um, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> so what would you say the average production per hour of dentist in the United States is right now? I know you have, I know you guys are real statistic driven, so I'm sure you've got that one lodged in your brain somewhere. <laughs> it varies, but it's held pretty consistently for owner doctors is around 400. You know, you'll see it 395 to 450 somewhere in there. And that's your typical 700,000 a year, $800,000 a year practice, uh, very lifestyle driven. Um, that practice hopefully is mature and has paid off their debt because if you're carrying debt and you're producing at that level, you're underwater. Uh, you're just really sweating payroll, you know, every month. So that's the average. The average associate is about 275. And which is crazy is that hygienists can produce 275. Yeah, they can. So um, we, well, we have really in, particularly in states where they can actually give injections and they can do fillings. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they can outproduce an, an associate doctor any day of the week. Yeah, like in the state of Washington, where you have a board of hygienists. The only thing I don't like about Texas. <laughs> I love my state so much, but uh. they don't let you do anything in Texas. Well, you can use lasers. Hygienists can use lasers. They can't do anything. Under indirect supervision. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's a, that's a good thing. So that's typical. I would say a lot of our doctors come in at 400 an hour and we're able to help them increase $300 an hour over the course yep. of 12 months to Easily. 18 months. You can easily do it faster than that, but we set the game up to go in small increments of $50 an hour because $50 an hour adds 76,000 a year to your revenue. And back Okay, even, now hold on. Uh, yep, stop. Rewind. Repeat that one more time. $50 an hour in production. That translates to $50 an hour in collections. Now, if you're doing mm -hmm. EPOs, we, we factor all of that in. But $50 right. an hour netted to the bottom in collections is $76,000 a year. And so what's, what's interesting is if you're already at your break-even point, or let's say that your overhead is 80%, like it's something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That means for every $100 I collect, 80 of it's going out the door. Yep. Once you hit your break-even, all that new money, it flips. It only takes 20%. So of that next $100, you're keeping 80. So we really want to work to understand that break-even point. That's how we set productivity goals. And if you're under goal, we really want to make small incremental changes that the team can, they'll say, oh, that's no brainer. I said, well, it's $50 an hour. If you work eight hours in a day, how much is that? And they'll say, well, that's $400. And I go, well, can you think of something that you could do for $400 once a day? Well, yeah, we could do a whitening or we could do with a composites. We could do whatever. You know, the team will come up with the answers. So the first $50, you don't even have to change your schedule. You change your mm -hmm. mindset and the team yes. gets hungry. <clears throat> well, let's talk, let's talk about hygiene. You know, sure. um, so one of the first things I did whenever I was trying to implement this change, and like you said, owner doctors, I have since then um, partnered with MB2. So I'm no longer the owner doctor anymore, kind of owner but doctor. But you still 30 have the owner right? Exactly. <laughs> well, I have to because I built it, right? So the first thing I did, though, is I looked at my procedures, and I looked at hygiene's procedures, and I said, you know, um, if we were doing a whitening tray or a fluoride tray on every single patient, I charge $200 for that. The actual cost is $1.50, including mm -hmm. labor. And um, then we also sell the whitening gel that goes in it. And what if we also did fluoride, topical fluoride varnish on every single patient? That's 50 bucks I charge for that. And so I found $250 that could go into every single appointment. Now, did I get 100%? No, I didn't get 100%. But I'll tell you what, the first year we did it, we had 80% acceptance. And that was big. And all you have to do is just talk to them about it and get your team on board. Hey, why are we doing this? It's going to make us more profitable. But guess what? All the work that that patient has in, its, in their mouth, we just increase the lifespan of that work. We're saving that patient so much money over the life of their dental work that this is a win-win for all of us. And your, pay, your, your team gets on board and they start thinking that way and they think about the services you're providing, helping the patient and truly being patient-driven and patient welfare driven, they're on board. And then guess what the next thing they're doing? They're pulling your ass back out of your truck at five o'clock when you're trying to run the hell away and they're saying, hey doc, we've got something we need you to do inside, you know? 
you, you've got to do this for Miss Jones. This is the only chance she can get in to get those four crowns done. You know, it, it's, it's a good can I, problem. Can I add a nuance to that? Can I yes, add a nuance please. to that? Hey, you're, you, you're, you're the expert. No, I'm no expert, but here's the nuance. And this is where the business impact class next week starts. You articulated your philosophy of care. Yes. So, and it came across in this podcast in reverse order as here's the productivity. Right. So as a business owner, you look and say, uh, uh, where, so we, we have this mantra, healthy patient, healthy practice, healthy practitioner. So when you're healthy patient, practice and practitioner, that all lines up. So you're like, what are the procedures that would help my patients remain healthy? right? Going to lower their risk factors to future decay, lower their risk factors to periodontal disease, aesthetically make them, you know, just dynamite. So you went into hygiene and said, here they are. And then with the team, you roll it out and say, you know, why is this good for the patient? Mm -hmm. Why is this good for the practice? Why is this good for us as practitioners? Right? And you come down to, well, it makes their dentistry last longer. It prevents new things. It's good for the practice because the revenue allows us to keep being innovative, keep investing in new technologies. And as a practitioner, I'm not scaling as much tartar. I'm not breaking my back. I don't need to use mm -hmm. my piezos as much. I'm not getting my aerosols. You know, All of those good benefits for everyone. That's exactly where we start. I know it's a business class, mm -hmm. but we're going to start with your philosophy of care because it has when to. you whether you believe in fluoride or not, whether you do whitening or not, what you charge for different things, whether you are on PPOs, not PPOs, whether you're serving the most underserved in the Medicaid model, all of those models work. And we will never tell you to switch your model. That'll be something that comes from you and your heart and your purpose and your business, right? But what we can show you is that there is a path to living that vision, living that but if you don't know your philosophy of care, oh, funny story. <laughs> I was working with a doctor and he had two offices and four hygienists. And I said, what's your philosophy of perio? And he goes, well, that depends. And I said, on what? And he goes, well, this hygienist loves perio. 40% patients are in periotherapy. But this hygienist really doesn't believe in bacteria theory or anything like that. So she has almost no periodontal perception. <coughs> okay, doc, so what's your philosophy of care? Right. And he goes, well, that depends. <laughs> and so he really accidentally put his business and his patients at risk because he was um, allowing the personality of the practitioner to, yeah. to be off purpose. And so when you're really aligned, it's easy to go to the team and say, no, my vision of care, I'm the one taking the risk. I'm the one who went to school to extend this care. I know my vision. I want you to see if your vision aligns. So it's not about having people, those hygienists, change their philosophy. It is an invitation to change the philosophy. But if it doesn't work, it's also an invitation to go into a different practice where your philosophy aligns a little bit better. So he calls it finding your happy. You just gave, you just gave my firing speech. <laughs> yes. So I'm, it's I'm all kidding. about alignment. It's, a, it's alignment. We're just you know, misaligning our philosophy. You know, I, I have to say, I've really enjoyed getting to work with you, and I really like you as a person. And I, um, I wanted to tell you that I, I see a lot of opportunities out there for you to work exactly the way that you want to work. And 
a lot of opportunities to use your own philosophy. It's just not a good fit here. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you almost want to tell them, congratulations on the new opportunity somewhere else. <laughs> but. Yeah. Well, and I think once you're really strong in your philosophy, you have your business roadmap. It's exactly what you've done. You know where your profitability is. You know you've managed the risk really well. Then you get down to becoming very authentic. And you hear a lot of buzz about authentic marketing, relationship marketing. And we are in a relationship business. So SEO, pay-per-click. I mean, I'm, I've got a degree in marketing. I mean, I know all that stuff. But it's not about the clicks you get. It's about how you take care of people as they're coming in and really regenerating that. So once you're solid on this, your authenticity starts to come through. Work becomes fun. If you're right. a cyclist, man, you just start social meeting about cycling and all the cyclists come out of the woodworks. You've yep. got the, the guitars in the background. I bet you've got a lot of musicians who love coming to your practice. You know? my, my little old ladies love it the most because I actually, I keep an Ibanez at the, at the practice and I, I enjoy a multitude of genres of music and I'll actually be playing in the back whenever I'm between patients. It helps limber my fingers up and it kind of keeps me sharp. And um, I'll hear every now and then a patient will call out, can you play such and such? <laughs> You're getting and I'll, I'll poke my head out and say, Miss Smith, for you, baby, I'll play anything. And so I'll start playing. But it's that me didn't appear until after all of this stuff came off of me. And it, um, you're right, it, it's very difficult. And you, 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 you kind of skirted around an issue. I don't know if on purpose or if, if, or if, if just by, by chance. And that issue is that the new practice owner who's fresh out of school, there's a great difficulty in being authentic there because there's so much fear and anxiety and you are right to have that fear and anxiety because you're doing the most risky thing in the world. Any, any investment professional will tell you, if you have $100,000, don't put it in your, in your business, put it in somewhere that's gonna make money. But these guys are gonna show you how to make your business an actual investment, one that does make you money. And one where it makes sense to put $100,000 or training into your hands, because you're going to be able to relate to your team authentically about why you're doing something and why you need to implement it. And they're gonna help you to do that. And your patients are gonna see that from you as well. There's nothing worse than the guy who goes out and takes a weekend course in implants and comes back and wants to put an implant in every single patient when last week everything was rich. You know, yeah. being able to have that patient talk and say, you know, I didn't know how to do this before. And now that I do know how to do it, I see some of the drawbacks of the way that I was thinking with your, with your treatment plan. And I do think the bridge over there is a good idea because of just the fact that you, you need to restore both those teeth. But over here, why cut down two perfectly good teeth to replace a third one you already lost? Let's go ahead and give the implant a try. It's all going to balance out. It's going to be a little bit more, but I think it's a better restoration for you in this place in your mouth. Does that, does that sound fair? Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. I learned that from you guys. You should. <laughs> well, and again, the business impact course, we're going to get you on track for what type of business you want to grow or how you recreate. 
the productivity workshop. Uh, we're working with our team right now to, uh, we just released our space at, in Fort Worth for our September. It's just breaking our hearts that we can't be together and be live because you've been there to experience that two and a half days and the cocktail parties and the dancing and the socializing and a PDA, you learn. And, that, and that's just Bruce. That. And that's just Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be over in the corner with a, a tonic and lime doing namaste and leading a yoga class. And I lead the morning warm up, and he leads the light life <laughs> and it's a good balance. But, um, those are the kind of things, yeah, the communication skills and all of that. That's what give you. We have a whole another set of uh, programming that we're bringing online called clinical confidence because that really is what boosts it, uh, especially if you're young. Um, yes. Oh, can I test a theory with you? Yes. All no. Right. I have a theory. Right. I have a theory that dental school actually does not teach you how to comprehensively diagnose. Because mm -hmm. dental school, and I've never been to dental school, so I'm testing a theory here. Dental school says you need X number of extractions, X number of crowns, a bridge, a root canal, go find that. And so what you're looking for is a tooth to repair, a situation, mm -hmm. a problem to solve. What I don't think we have a lot of education on is how does the medical history, the lifestyle habits of the patient, and what you're seeing in their mouth correlate and is fixing this one tooth really going to help make that patient overall any healthier than they are today i, I will say um do you have yes to go to a dpr uh, well I'm, I'm gonna say yes and no so um dental school much like anything you get out of it what you put into it mm. and so i have this really stellar young associate right now um Goodness, I just can't wait until he actually gets his license in hand here in Texas because of COVID. They're two months delayed. So oh, wow. um, <clears throat> we go over cases every single day. He's lucky that he has a hygiene license. He can work in my practice in the meantime. Fantastic guy. Just natural with patients. I love watching him talk to him, love listening. He's going to do great. But his treatment planning skills are so much better than dentists I've seen who come in who've been working for 12 years. And I've interviewed a lot of them. What I do when I interview a new associate is I actually pull out a standard test patient. In fact, his name is Test Test. There are full intraoral and extraoral photos and full x-rays, CBCT, pano, cephalogram, every bit of information you could possibly look for on a patient. And I blow it up on a 75-inch screen and I say, this is your patient, Mr. Smith, who just walked in today. Tell me about him. And without, with, without just even going too far overboard with the things I've heard, almost always what I'll hear is, um, well, that crown over there has an open margin. Or I'll hear, um, well, he's had a lot of work done. And this kid, he looks at him and goes, Dr. Huffcard, did this man have sleep apnea? Mm. And I was like, hmm. So well, what makes you say that? Well, I look at the canines and it appears that they have protrusive wear on them. His cheeks are a little bit big. So it looks like maybe he's got some hypertrophy. His neck looks pretty thick. I, I, would, I would bet money he's got sleep apnea. 
And I said, well, how would that, how would that complicate your case? Well, um, I'm going to want to make sure we really nail the occlusion, but let's get the sleep apnea taken care of first. Um, if we do that, it's really going to minimize the problems later. We should really, really be inspecting his teeth because he's probably got a lot of fractures and we're going to want to put full coverage on those posterior teeth. How are you going to rebuild it? Well, I, I haven't really had a lot of classes in this, but I think what we'd want to do first is establish his vertical dimension. And I said, well, how would you do that? Well, maybe could we use composite on his teeth and get him stabilized and then work backwards? This kid's sharp, you know. That's a productive mindset right there. It is. It really is. And I'm so excited to have him on board with me. He oh. actually, he's going he's gonna to be, he's going to be going to that course with me. Um, so here is my thinking though. You've got this kid, but you have another kid I brought in, several of them actually. And all they could say is, I think they need that crown right there. And it's not just a productive mindset. It's the holistic mindset. And so I think you have your finger on a very real problem. And that problem is, you know, when I see someone walk into my practice, I look at their shoes up. The last ah. thing I look at is the inside of their mouth. Because as dentists, we lose our fucking minds. What's I always that? look at hygienists. I looked at people's shoes. Yes. <laughs> no, when I started talking to you, I was like, I'm going to love this girl. We're like, it's impossible. So the Who thing is... <laughs> Well, okay, someone walks in, you look at their shoes. The first thing you notice is, are their shoes shiny? Are they old shoes? Are their shoes dirty? Does this person have a high aesthetic value whenever you're going to be treatment planning them? Yes. Next thing I look at, are their shoes worn unevenly? If their shoes yes. are worn unevenly, they may have some sort of a chiropractic issue going on as well. Sometimes chiropractic issues can cause more clinching and grinding due to the pain and the referral and transference. So the yes. next thing I'm going to look at is, I look straight on up. Okay, the rest of the clothing, does that fit with the idea I had about their aesthetics? Okay, good. I've got two checkbox in that they, they don't care about aesthetics. Well, then I look up and I say, oh, she's got makeup on. She really made herself up. She's got jewelry on. Oh, well, that would be a plus in the aesthetics column. So that tells me what I need to talk to the patient about and what I can gloss over. You know, you, you talk to this patient who's all done up, and she's got shiny new shoes on. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say, where did you get those shoes? My wife would love those. <laughs> That's my five minute linking, right? Does it, does it sound like I may have taken your courses? Yeah, so, that's great linking. And I'm, I'm going to work my way up like that. You know, you, man, you just dress to the nines. And I can tell you're a woman who really, really cares about her appearance. And uh, I have to say, I'm really flattered that you, 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 you got all done up to come to the dental office. I hope I didn't disappoint. And oh, they'll, they'll laugh, blah, blah, blah. And now say, so talk to me a little bit about what your goals are here. You know, there are some people, they, um, they come to the dentist, they have a specific problem. Some people just want their mouths to stay the way they are. They don't ever want to have a problem. And then some people say, you know what? I don't have any problems right now, but I sure wish my teeth looked better. Yeah. Where? where are you? And you shut up and you listen. And after you listen for a while, you go, you know what? I think I know exactly what you need. Let me go ahead and lean you back. If you don't mind, I'm going to take kind of a 500 foot view. Anything that I see that might be an issue, we'll talk about real quick. Does that, does that sound fair? May I lay you back? Permissive, 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 permissive. You lay the patient back, you take a quick glance. 
say, okay, all right, I'm, I'm seeing a couple of things here. What do you think about that crown in the back over there? Um, looks like you had that for a while, kind of getting some chipping on it. And you just go down the road. And these are all the things that when they take a PDA, uh, PDA course, they're going to learn about. I can't wait to learn about what I'm going to learn in this course, because this course is really the foundation that I was missing when I started my practice. So it's going to be kind of neat to see which things I, I screwed up on and which, thing, which well, things I figured I, out. You know? Well, we're all in it together, and you're, you've just done a wonderful job. You've helped so many dentists over the years, and you continue to help, and you, you've got a wonderful practice. And it is really great how our philosophies align, our philosophies of care, Absolutely. our philosophies of business, our philosophies of listening, you know, um, you kind of take all the cliches and bring them to life the same way Bruce does, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you, you're, the cliche is as a dentist, you're no longer king. Doctors are no longer king because you wear a white coat. Consumers are very savvy and they want to be listened to and heard. And you just, you just illustrated that so beautifully. It's our mm -hmm. job as a I, leader. I'm, I'm going to tell you that is so flattering coming from you. It really is. So. Well, that's our job as a leader for the team. It's our job as a leader for health of our patients is to listen and clarify, listen and clarify, listen and clarify. I clarify, clarify, clarify. That's all I do. I'm now the CEO of the company. I have been for the last, uh, I don't know, probably ever, but 10 years, 15 years. And I don't coach the offices anymore. We have a network of coaches. Uh, we say we work from Honolulu to Nova Scotia, and it's true, and it's fun. So we're bringing in master strategists into this class. You're going to get to meet our team. We're bringing in our CMO, Reagan, that you, you love working mm -hmm. with Reagan. She's a master marketer. Uh, we're bringing her into the class. We have Renee Lewis, uh, who will do some recording. She's really informed our business uh, she comes out of the D.C. area, not even in dentistry. She's bringing true blue business acumen. She has a master's in Good. software design and worked at Booz Allen as a consultant and has done mergers of 50 to 100 to $400 million. And I'm just like, why did you come into dentistry? Thank you for coming into dentistry. Thank you for coming into our humble company to help us help our doctors because there's a lot of merger and acquisition going on right now. Yes, there is. And there's a lot of pixie dust <laughs> around that decision making. So we're hoping to help doctors really get a handle on. I, I, I may have, I may have departed from you there on the, uh, on the word that I use to describe that stuff that's hanging. Uh, pixie dust. <laughs> but um, my mind might have in, included some sort of uh, explicative, but. Well, there's a, there's illusion until you're educated. And I think we're on the same mission there is just to educate because we work with a lot of doctors that are 50 and over. And so they're thinking about exit strategy and exit strategies have really changed. They're thinking about expansion strategies. They're thinking yes. about legacy. They're thinking about lifestyle businesses. And uh, so the young doctors, we help them on their race to revenue <laughs> to decrease that stress, mm -hmm. uh, become that thoughtful, conscious leader. And then, Mid-tier, I think that's where we hit the wall. You know, you work so hard, then you get to this comfortable place, and you just kind of plateau. And once you're there, the inertia sets in. It's like, well, how do we even get to the next level? So that's the bulk of who we work with. So if you peaked or plateaued, you've tried everything. You threw, you read a couple of, you know, EMF books, and you brought it back and tried to get your team to do it, and they wouldn't. Um, we love working with those doctors. Because they've got the mindset, they're, they're frustrated, right? They're frustrated because they're not growing. And when you're frustrated, that means you're still seeking. I wrote a whole book on frustration. 
I call it the breakfast of champions. And so it means I'm in this place of decision where if I continue to add curiosity and innovation, I'll break through. But if I apply anger and disappointment, I'm going to just give up. So Fantastic I, I, I love frustrated mid-career doctors. <laughs> they're, they're very easy to work with, very easy to grow their practices. I, I liken that to the patient who comes in and they already have dentures, but no implants. Right. My favorite case in the world. Yeah. Slap some implants in there and all of a sudden you change their life. They were already miserable, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you couldn't help but make them better. I love right. that. I, I think that's a, it, it's a, it's a very wholesome thing to, to get to do. It's good for you. It's good for them. Um, fantastic. I love that. So give me a brief synopsis for anybody who's tuning in late about what this course is you guys are doing. And then I'm going to ask you to give, give away your top five things that any dentist, even if they don't come to the course, top five things that they can do to increase their productivity and mm -hmm. to decrease their stress levels. Okay, so I'll answer right. those questions. Or synopsis first. Yeah. All right, so this is called Business Impact, the Foundations Course. So it rings true to its name. What am I building on? What is my philosophy of care? How do I map out my patient journey through the practice, just as you said, from when the phone rings, but we go even before that to your online presence and reputation. So we're going to map out your philosophy of care, align the patient journey with that. Then we're going to go into our team's going to do a gap assessment with you to say how, what is your gap from where you're at to your ideal? And you'll start road mapping this plan. Once that's road mapping, we take a look at the risk. You know, is there any unexpected here that might surprise you? And then we're going to get into, now that we have a, a glimpse into our more authentic self, how do we start communicating that with the team, the patients, and the community? And we wrap it up with a team engagement strategy. So now that I've learned all this great stuff, how do I go back and actually engage my team into this conversation? And on the very last class, um, as a peer group, you're going to nominate who within the group you'd like to hear their business plans. And they're going to present their business plans on that last class. This is very comprehensive education. It is an immersion course. I love what you said. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. It'll be very fast paced. And these are the main topics that you would then work on probably for the next six to nine months, 12 months, 24 months. So it is a plan. It is not the implementation of the plan. And that's what I see doctors make a big mistake is that, again, they read a book, they go to a weekend course, and they come in and they implement, and they don't know the strategy. So this just is really, Wednesday. Yeah, just do it. So this is a strategic thinking class, which is why you get the modules first. You come into peer learning session. Then you get the next module. <clears throat> we don't open up all the modules at once, so you can read ahead and go, yes, I got that. I know that. This is whatever. Um, so it really is step-by-step. Step. And the first piece of homework you can put in your inbox on Monday, I believe, is um, the practice health assessment, your wheel. And we, we have a, a chart that'll come out like a spider gram, and you'll see how bumpy your ride on this road is going to be. Mm -hmm. You'll see. I am familiar with that chart. <laughs> where you have strengths and where you have uh, an opportunity to focus. 
So it's going to start out really easy in that one place of where's my focus need to be because there are dozens of topics, dozens of places you could put your energy. Absolutely. My hope is that you find one place to put your energy. You can only say yes to so many things. Every time you say yeah. yes to something, you say no to something else. Yeah. So, so we'll help you find the one or two things you need to work on. Do you recommend that they take that graph and just don't tell, this is what I did. This is why I'm asking. And I may have screwed this up completely in full, full, full disclosure. I actually gave that graph to my team and I had them assess the practice too. And it was eye-opening to see how very different their answers were from mine. Oh. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's a great idea. And there's nothing on our, uh, it's 25 questions. It's a personal assessment uh, on your viewpoint. I don't think there's anything in there that you couldn't share with your team. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, all of these things will be proprietary and copywritten. So you could share it yep. with your team. But I will ask and enforce and vigilant, vigilantly defend uh, your right to respect the property and not share it with your with your alumni with your buddy that's right. in school or out of school or I sat next to you it it's a disservice to the information mm -hmm. because without context and understanding what you want to do with it and I see dentists do that a lot like oh here's a link and do this and do that right. but this really is behind the scenes consulting work and it's it's going to lead right. to something would you do would you do at least a small scale project for me because i would love to know the results myself because i did it with my team um and i honestly don't even remember which program i was going through when i got it but i just thought hey wouldn't it be neat i wonder if they think the same things about my practice that i do and it was yeah. kind of like a reality check for me to see are we all really all on the same page and it was very illuminating because there are some areas i mean we were like lockstep but there are other areas where like, I thought our customer service was great. They thought it sucked. Yeah. And so we, we had a meeting about that. I said, look, you know, some of these things surprised me. And if, if you can't tell by now, just from talking to me, I am just super out there. I'm open. So yeah. um, I just said, look, some of these answers surprised me. What can we do better? That is the best talk you could ever have. And like I yeah. said, integrate, don't delegate. So, could you guys put together a project, allow doctors to take a free assessment based on your little spider, spider wheel, right? Spider web, have them and their team take it and just give the doctor a free report and say, hey, you guys aren't all on the same page. You could even make the team members anonymous or whatever. Yeah. I think it'd be eye-opening for a lot of doctors. I think it'd be a great service and it would be a huge gift. Let me think about how we could do that. Right now, that is a part of No, no, I need an answer right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like right now, I don't know. Well, the, the reality is, is we do do that with our consulting engagements. So gotcha. once we start bringing in the team, once we're asked, we, we work by invitation. So any doctor that wants to invite us into a, a deeper relationship with them and their team, happy to do that. Um, I, I see that it works 50-50. If you, a doctor just comes in and says, hey, I want you to fill this thing out because I'm working, I got a consultant and she says this or that. Sometimes you get this finger from the team. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you get another one. Different finger, so, right? Yeah. So I love, I am the queen of assessments. Ask Bruce. Bruce says there's two kinds of people, engineer and non-engineer. 
Go talk to Vicki, she'll slice and dice it 65 ways. So I love assessments. I love to see where we're on the same page. With his, uh, with his Excel spreadsheets, he's one to talk, isn't he? <laughs> I, believe, I believe that 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 he does not make a decision on what toilet paper to buy until he puts it into an Excel spreadsheet. Everything's up. Cynthia, his wife, and I, we just shake our head and go, oh, the Excel spreadsheets. But they're brilliant. They're brilliant. I, they, they really are. And he, 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 so put, he, he thinks... He's got a beautiful mind. It really does. I was having a conversation with him in Jamaica one time and we were just sitting there talking. He goes, well, hold on. And he pulls out his computer and starts making a spreadsheet about the thing we're talking about. <laughs> I, I've seen, and you, you I've know seen, exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it is, you know what? Our number one referral source for so long was uh, met Bruce at a cocktail party. Like, because all the conferences, then you have social hour. So we right. actually created coasters that said notes, notes. Uh, I met Bruce at a cocktail party and it's got productivedentist.com and he just hands these out. So he starts talking because people say, man, I wish I had a pen. And he goes, oh, well, here's something to write on, grab a pen. And they just start That's taking cool. notes on a cocktail. It's, it's awesome. I love Bruce. He is, he's got a beautiful mind, as you said. He, he really does. You really do. Yeah, that, you'll, look, it, you'll learn a lot from him hanging out poolside, and it doesn't surprise me at all that he pulled out his laptop and his no. spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> well, in his defense, we weren't poolside at the time. Uh, but um, <laughs> I can see that happening, too. <laughs> it happened. I just spent two weeks with him. We were invited to speak in Melbourne, so we went down to Australia. We took our spouses. Mm -hmm. uh, we spoke in Melbourne. Then we caught a cruise ship out of Sydney. And we cruised uh, Sydney to Melbourne to Tasmania, went over to the South Island of New Zealand, up to the North Island of New Zealand, spent two weeks together. And there were a lot of spreadsheet conversations. <laughs> I bet there were. That's how we do, that's how we do business planning. I, I can see it now. So, so Cynthia, have you, have you looked at the different suntan lotions that are <laughs> I worked well, up a spreadsheet and, oh man. Well, Cynthia would, probably be, Cynthia would say, Brucey, I just found this amazing suntan lotion and they are under-marketed. I think there's an opportunity here. And he would grab the opportunity and say, oh my gosh, and you lead this through a pipeline and click funnels Absolutely. and now the number one suntan lotion in the world. <laughs> well, Victoria, it's been an absolute joy getting to, getting to talk with you and um, getting to visit with you here. And getting some of your insights. But now I need five things that they can do going home from listening to this podcast that will make them more productive. And then we're going to go ahead and drop a link to registration for your course. Okay. So five things. Five things. Um, number one, continue to build trust. Team engagement comes through trust building. So you acknowledge in public, you do corrections behind the scenes. There's a lot happening right now. So really build that. Number two, have a daily focus. Just as you said, um, my, I'm at 3,000 and that's not my goal. I know to, to raise the alarm. So really just pick a focus. Uh, number three, look at your schedule three days in advance. That's how you knew to sound the uh, warning. That's one of the things that Bruce does better than anybody I've ever seen. He's in conversation and in a dance with his team. And when you schedule from productivity, you actually slow down your schedule. You don't speed mm -hmm. it up. 
and you have to look at it three days in advance to know that you're prepared. So I would say do what you can to build trust, you know, acknowledgement, um, and then have a specific goal that you're targeted on. Look at it, give yourself enough runway to make course corrections as you're there. Number four is to every time you walk into an operatory, before you even walk in, I want you to think about the patient that you're about to see. And I want you to find at least one to five things that you admire or you like or you could be curious about with that patient. If you walk in with a mindset of curiosity mm -hmm. on uh, what will I learn? I know they just moved here from Fort Worth. I wonder what I'm going to learn. I wonder who we might have in common. I wonder what kind of hobbies they have. I wonder who they are as a person. That's what you did when you look at shoes. You're very yes. curious to learn who they are. So I would say that's something that came out of this podcast. And then number five, in a bigger sense, not a do on Monday, but you certainly could look at it anytime, is to start pulling your profit and loss statement and see how it is organized. 99% of all doctors that I've looked at, their P&L is in alphabetical order. If your P&L is in alphabetical order, it means that it is set up for your CPA. It's not set up for you to manage your business. Uh, you, so we you've got to have it labeled for supplies. I actually go so far as to break mine down into implant supplies and I'll do fixtures versus, you know, accoutrements like abutments and sure. things like that. And, and it kind of tells me where we're spending our money and if we're being as e efficient as we can be on that. Yeah. And we, we do something very similar. We set it up as a management tool. And at the top of the chart is your staff overhead. And so now it's a decision tool. If but why would that be at the top of the chart, Victoria? Because that's what keeps you up at night. <laughs> Payroll and, and why isn't Mary Beth, you know, contributing more? So there's really only two decisions. If your team is out of balance, if your benchmark is out of balance, you either raise production or you lower um, cost. So mm -hmm. it's a decision tool. Then comes a fixed cost. If your fixed costs are not in balance, there's only one decision to make. How do I increase revenues and balance that out? Then come the variable cost. If that's not in balance, I know I can negotiate with vendors. I know I can change products. I know I could turn certain things on or off. So when you set it up as a management tool, you're, you sleep better at night. I, I'm telling you with my five practices plus the real estate, I spent no more than 30 minutes a month going through the financials with my team. So I was always tax ready within an hour every month by mm -hmm. the fifth of the month. I had this metronome because we had a system. So yep. as a business leader, I would start thinking about where, what stresses me. So that's number five. I invite you to pull your P&L out because that typically is a stress. <laughs> Enjoy your 4th of July first. But um, <clears throat> really have the courage to see what is stressing me out financially in my business and know that there are better ways to organize. The stress relief comes nine out of 10 times through organization. And that's what we hope to help you do is to get, to get organized as a business leader. Absolutely. I, I would say there's, there's a caveat to that. When you begin, begin organizing, you begin opening closets. And when you open closets, yes. skeletons fall out. So. Yes. COVID has revealed a lot of skeletons. And I think COVID had trimmed the industry. I think probably between 15 and 20% of dental offices are going to go out of business within the year. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but I think that there's that much inefficiency in our practices. 
Um, most dentists, I was, I was about to actually say, if you don't know how to read a PL, guys, go online, look up the Khan Academy, uh, look up a YouTube video. You can learn how to read a PL pretty easily, but a lot of us don't, don't do that. We don't know how because we're afraid and we're afraid of our own ignorance. Your fear of your ignorance is no reason to be a poor steward of your business. Well, I, I hope your statistic is wrong because I'm on a mission to Good. help 20 million people get healthy and uh, 10,000 doctors have healthy businesses. I think there is a trimming for sure. I think people who had delayed retirement are now saying done. I think that brings up a lot of opportunity for the young entrepreneur who wants to get in and to share with you our current, uh, it's blowing me away. We did, um, we did webinars with our doctors every week going through COVID for 12 weeks. So, all right, where are we? Now we're closing down. Okay, now we're furloughing. Now we're re-engaging. Now we're assessing. Now we're bringing back. Now we're preparing. Now we know our patients are this and our schedule is that. Our collections are this. And the ADA is releasing, as you know, weekly stats. And this is by June 15th. Their stat was doctors are coming back at 68% of revenue. Um, mm. Our doctors ended June on average 87% of revenue. Many were reporting 102 to 120% because of the planning. Uh, I can't say that anything else was different about them. It was just the planning and the systems they had in place. So if you're struggling, just know that there's hope and it's easy. They're easy, small changes that can be made in most cases. Most cases. And before we go, I, I, I was actually talking to Bruce about this in the last interview and I made a point about something and I was actually very flattered. He told me he was going to steal something from me for once, which is kind of nice. Um, in your practice, in your practice management, in your practice thoughts, you need to begin thinking of things as large actions and small actions. There are levers that you pull that make yeah. large changes and there are dials that you turn that make small changes. 80% of the effort that are 80% of the results that can be accomplished in a practice can usually be accomplished with about 20% of the effort. And that's throwing a big lever. Yeah. The rest of the 80% of the effort goes into 20% of the results. Throw yeah. all your levers first. Knock out the smallest amount of effort you possibly can to get the biggest results. And then begin to refine, define, and integrate. And that oh. would be my... My I'm going to steal that too. Can I steal that? Please. <laughs> That's Please. awesome. If, if it helps a single, single dentist out there, I'm, I'm going to be very happy. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I've never heard. I love levers. I'm huge on leverage and finding those levers, but I mm -hmm. love the way you describe that with the levers and the dials and tell me again, the dial you define. 80% right? 80 of your results, 20% of your efforts throwing a lever. 80% of your efforts, 20% of your results, defining, refining, and integrating. Yeah. Well, Victoria, I think I just made a new friend. I can't wait to chat again. And um, thank you for, for coming and sharing uh, some of your insights and in, uh, in your, your, your very successful career in helping other den uh, helping dentists become successful and other practice owners, what I was going to say, become successful. And, um, and myself as well for, I, I, I don't know that you had a direct hand, but I, I, I know you were with the company whenever I, while I was using you guys. 
So I, I really appreciate you coming on and I appreciate everything I've learned from you guys that that's helped to make me successful. You're welcome. And we're welcome to, uh, we're excited to meet your friends. And I know we've got a special landing page just for the business and dentistry. So that we excited. Do. thank you so much and for the we're support. Gonna, we're gonna drop that link right below this video um, or above this video up there. Uh, so if you guys are wanting to find out more about this course, just click on the link. It'll take you to the business page, business and dentistry page. You're going to be able to get this course for $2,500. It's 10 weeks, guys, 10 weeks. That's amazing. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Eight I'm sorry. Weeks. My apologies. It's eight, eight weeks, weeks and we're going to start uh, getting you ready for it on Monday. So uh, that's fantastic. Monday and Wednesday, Wednesday night, let me invite you to this. We're opening up our doctor only mastermind session to our new students in this class. So you can come on Wednesday night for a little preview. Send me, send me an invitation link. I would have send my you an invitation. <laughs> we'll send you an invitation to uh, our Wednesday preview and then our Friday kickoff. Fantastic. Hey guys, thank you again for uh, wasting an hour of your life listening to the sound of my voice. And uh, thank you for supporting the Dear Doc podcast. Hope to see you at the class. See you on the other side. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.